Well, good morning, good morning. What a treat it is to be here. Uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm pastor of a church. It's a tough assignment. I pastor in Ocean City, Maryland, and so I had a long drive in last night. And, um, but uh, uh, church is very, very kind. Put my wife and I up in a nice hotel. We're in the Red Roof Inn last night. And what, <laughs> nothing but the best from Hope Fellowship and Josh Brindulik, you know. And uh, so I wake up this morning. Your, your church is insane. They do three services. They expect me to be here really, really early in the morning. And I wake up. I, you know, half asleep, kind of groggy, and I go into my bag that I packed yesterday, and I pull out my jeans to get ready to come to church this morning, and uh, sure enough, I had picked my 17-year-old, 155-pound son's pants. <laughs> and this is the Eastern Shore. You guys don't have a Walmart anywhere close, so I'm like, what am I going to do? So I wake my wife up. I'm like, you need to drive to Walmart and get me pants. She's like, all right. So she gets in the car, and I show up here this morning in camo shorts. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, I don't know what to do. Like, and Pastor Tim goes, I might have some pants that fit you. And uh, sure enough, he runs home, gracious, runs home. In the first service, I wore these skinny, young, <laughs> high-water <laughs> pants. While I'm speaking, I see my wife come through the front door, and I, I just want to do like a 30-second time. I go, can I just go change and come right back? So I got to know Pastor Tim closer than I expected. I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but his wife after a service said, I've never seen those pants look so good than I saw them today. So I'm like, all right, thank you, thank you, thank you. No, but I love this church. I love Pastor Josh. What a, you guys, I hope you know and appreciate what kind of leader and pastor that you have and, and Pastor Josh. And uh, if you guys are visiting today, you need to come back because uh, this is, uh, uh, he's a, an amazing leader, but a man of God. And I just uh, love him so much. Um, uh, just uh, recently in the last couple of weeks, we've had some drama in our church and, and Josh is the first person I call. I just said, hey, I need some wisdom, I need some help, I need some direction, and, and, uh, and I applaud you. I applaud you as a church for, uh, for taking care of your pastor, giving him some time to get away. Uh, one of the things that uh, makes a difference in a community, makes a difference in a congregation is longevity of a pastor. And one of the best things that you can do to keep your pastor sticking around is give him a break. I mean, pay him, that's, that's helpful, <laughs> but, but, but when you can't pay him, give him a break. Give him a couple of weeks off where he could go and spend time with his family and his wife and his, uh, his, his kids and the Lord. And you guys have done that. You've done that. And I just applaud that and, and continue to have that as a, as a mentality. But I love this church uh, for, uh, for a period of time. My daughter, when she was going to Washington, uh, she attended this church. You might remember my girl, Brooklyn. And uh, she loved, loved, loved this church. She's in Ecuador right now and been to Ecuador with some of you guys. And uh, so uh, really excited about that and seeing some old friends and whatnot. And uh, so just, uh, just really feel like this church is a family to us. So I didn't get to work because I, in the first service, I said I don't speak as long as Josh. And then I went on and on and on and on. So we need to get to it this morning. I feel the Lord would have us uh, share this morning the topic of anger. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 4 together. If you have your Bibles, if not, we'll put it on the screen. Like I said, we'll get right to it. It says, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, another son here, Abel. And Abel had a job. He kept flock, and Cain did something completely different. He worked the soil. And in the course of time, the Bible tells us here, 
The narrative says this, that Cain brought some fruit of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, some fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Catch this, it says, but the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Now that's a whole sermon, maybe a whole sermon series in and of itself. And uh, uh, the question is, why would God look favorably on one offering and not on another? Uh, that's not the topic for today. You can discover that on yourself. Uh, but today we want to focus on Cain's response. Genesis chapter 4 verse 5 says this, So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why are you angry? That's where we want to start this morning. We want to ask the question today, why are we angry? Now, for some of you, immediately you can point right to it. You you, you know the reason. You know the area. You know the cause. You know the root. You go, this this is an easy question for me because I could go back to a time. I could go back to, 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 to a place where something happened to me years ago. Maybe someone took advantage of you. Maybe someone offended you. Maybe someone hurt you. Maybe something happened in a church or, or, or a pastor or a Christian, and, and you said, yeah, I remember that. And, and when I think about it today, it just rises up in me. It makes me angry. Maybe you're angry with your life. You say, I didn't think at this point in my life I would be here. I thought it would look different. Of a couple in our church, dear couple, they're, they're getting to retirement age and they bought an RV and their, their plan was they're going to get their kids out of the house and they're going to go see the country. And just in the last week or two, they got word that, that, the, that the wife has some serious cancer, some serious health issues, and they go, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to make that trip. And the, there's a part of them that we, we worked our whole lives. We planned, we, 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 we bought, we, we, we you know, saved, we, whatever, for this, and now it's not going to happen. There's a disappointment, a frustration in them. Maybe you're angry at your job. Maybe you guys just hate this job or hate my boss or hate the people I work with and, and it just rises up in me. Maybe you're angry in your marriage. Listen, maybe you're angry at yourself. Maybe you look back over the course of your life and you go, man, I'm just, I'm just so frustrated with myself. If I I would have made better decisions, if I would have stayed in school, if I would have went off to the military like I said I would, if I would have finished those courses, if I would have, whatever it is, I'm just mad at myself. You woke up one day and you go, man, I just, I didn't expect to be in this kind of debt. Like things happen and we had some medical stuff and then the car broke down and then the washer went and and now I woke up and I just went, how did this happen? And you're you're just angry. You go, if I just made more money, if I just, if I just this, if if my wife would just work or whatever, and you go, I just, I'm angry. Maybe you're mad with God. You know, there's people who walk into this place or people who refuse to walk into this place because of anger towards God. They go, you know, there was a time where my heart, my heart was soft and I prayed and I prayed and I believed and I, I asked God sincerely. I mustered up faith and, and, it, and God never responded. He didn't work the way that I thought he should. I mean, we've all had people that we love and we care for and there's a, a, a diagnosis of, of sickness and you go, man, I just, I prayed my guts out for that person and that person didn't make it. And you go, why God? 
Maybe you're here today and you, you've prayed for a spouse or maybe you prayed for a child or maybe you prayed for grandkids. Maybe you said, God, if, if God would just done that and he just has it. And I see other people get engaged and other people are having babies and other kids are showing me pictures of their grandkids. And I, I just go, why not me, God? Why not me? Why does everybody else get all the breaks and I got to deal with this? Why? And they're angry at God. That's you today. You've come to the right place. We're going to address what is that and what do we do with that feeling, that emotion, that anger. Maybe you're on the flip side today. Maybe on the other side you go, you know what, if I'm being honest, I'm not angry about anything. I'm not angry about anybody. Quite frankly, I really just don't care. But what if that's your response? You go, nothing fires me up anymore. I'm just kind of numb and just ah. If that's you, we're going to look at that this morning as well. Let me give you a definition so we're working the same way this morning. What is anger? Tim Keller, a great pastor, theologian out of New York, um, matter of fact, just passed away a couple of weeks ago. Uh, He said this. He defined anger this way. He says, anger is the outgrowth, the function, the result of defending what you love. I want to say it again. Anger is the outgrowth. It's the function. It's the result of defending what you love, that you become angry when what you love is threatened. And catch this. To the proportion that you love something, your response, your anger will be equal in proportion to what you love. So in other words, if you love something a lot and you feel like that is being threatened, then you'll get angry a lot. If you only love something a little, then you'll only get a little angry about it. If you don't love it at all, you go, it doesn't bother me at all. I'll give you a couple of illustrations. Uh, for me, uh, I'm not a car guy. I have a car. It's the nicest car I've ever owned, but I could care less. I'm one of those guys. I know this would be disappointing to some of you. Uh, I'm one of those guys. I can't even tell you what kind of car I drive. Like, I, honestly, I'm like, it's a GMC. A GMC what? I go, I don't remember. And you're like, you don't know? I'm like, I don't even care. So it's the white one out there. Like, you, I mean, that's just me. I mean, I know for some people, some people drive a car because it's luxury. It's a, it's a status symbol. For me, it gets me from A to B, and I just need the air conditioner to work. You know, if the radio works, the air, like, I'm the kind of guy, I go, I don't even know how this car works. Like, you, like, I turn this, and I press that, and it goes, and you go, but what happens in the end? I go, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm the guy who I'll go to the uh, mechanic, and I'll just hand him my wallet, and I'll just, just take it all. <laughs> just take it. Like, I don't know. I, I don't, just help yourself, because you could tell me, like, the raccoon is broken inside there, and I go, then, dude, get another raccoon. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how it works in there. Like, figure it out, bro. So I care less about cars. I'm just not a big thing. So twice in the last, like, five years, someone's crashed in my car. I was parked at a light one day, and a young girl, I don't know if she was like texting or breakdancing or Skyping or Instagram, whatever she was doing behind, she did it into me, like, like that. And, and, uh, and yes, I get, I get frustrated because I don't want to deal with the insurance company. I don't want to have to go buy a new car. My car was total or whatever. But, but I wasn't angry about the car at all. Like In that moment, if someone said, well, you could drive this for now, and I go, okay, cool, I like it. Like I would just take it and drive away. And, been, and, and another day, another kid in our youth group just backed into my car, and he was so afraid to come talk to me. I'm like, I don't care, dude, just you know, fix the dent, and I'll, I'll be... Like, so when that happens, because I love little, my anger is little, 
but you want to see me get very angry? And this is true for a lot of people. Mess with my kids, right? I love my kids a lot, so the proportion, and you talk to any, uh, any parent, any coach, any you know, travel ball little league coach, any, any teacher, like you go, she's the sweetest lady, she's the sweetest mama, she's the sweetest grandma, but the second someone messes with their four-year-old, it's like grizzly bear, like, rawr! It's like the Incredible Hulk, like, you won't like me when I'm angry. Why? Because they love a lot, so that love is, anytime what they love is threatened, the anger rises. So the question for us is, if we want to know what makes us angry, we go, what do we love? And, and what gets threatened in, in there? I've been asking the question lately, why do I get angry? Let, let me ask you this question. In, in, in view of the definition that we just had, uh, let's just play this out in a practical way, practical application. Why do you get so mad when someone cuts you off on the highway? Why? I just watched a video a couple of days ago uh, on Instagram of a guy who got out of the car and started punching this lady's window, and she's just videotaping it, and he's yelling, just punching her. Like, what has happened in his life that brought him to a place where he goes, I'm going to get out of the car, and I'm going to shatter that girl's window, and then when the window is shattered, then what are you going to do? Like, like where did he go there? Like, like what part of our lives, like, where's the scorecard in your car that if you got home 30 seconds earlier, you would have got 30 more points in life? Like, what, and, and you know, because oftentimes you pull up right next to the same person. You're like, see, you didn't get farther than that. You're at the same place. Like, <laughs> right? I mean, that's kind of your attitude. Like, so then, then why did it make you so upset? Like, like what part of that? Because here's the challenge. In the next week or two weeks or the next month, maybe even this afternoon, something is going to happen that fires you up. And this is the question that I'm asking the Holy Spirit to ask you, to remind you in that moment, Why? What is it in me that's so threatened? What is it in me that I love so much? So the guy cuts you off and you go, why am I so mad? Is there, is there an unbalanced, oversensitive sense of justice where I go, that guy took advantage of me? Is there an ego where we go, that's my spot on the highway? I mean, what, what is the drive there? Is it, is it do maybe we love our rights so much? Maybe we, we, we love the, the uh, we felt disrespected. Maybe we love our way so much that when our way gets taken away, we go, I'm angry. I've been asking all, all week in the last couple of months ago, what makes me angry and why? What do I love so much that will make me lose my mind in an inappropriate way? And this is what I discovered. I get angry or defensive when people question my decision-making. I do. Something rises. I'm a thinker. I'm not saying I'm a brilliant thinker. I just think a lot. 
So, uh, for example, if someone were to say, if this gentleman said, said hey, I want to I have lunch with you on Tuesday, would you be willing to meet with me? My brain would not stop from now until Tuesday go, what do you want to talk to me about? What, what's going on? What, and I will come up with every scenario from, he, he wants to give me a million dollars, he wants to kill me. Like, I'll go like, <laughs> I'll go like the entire spectrum. My brain will just go... So what happens is, as a leader, as a pastor, when I have to make decisions or talk about something in the church, and, and I've thought about something a bazillion times, and someone comes up to me, and they're being helpful, they go, Pastor, did you consider that? I know they're being, but there's something inside of me that goes, what do you think, I'm an idiot? You think I didn't think of that? So it rises up inside of me. I go, what kind of leader do you think? You, I'm in charge of all of this. You think, you, you, you think I didn't think of that? What, what is it? I get upset when people challenge my integrity or authority. I get upset when people tell me what to do. This coming uh, Tuesday, I'll turn 50 years old. Someone tells me what to do. There's something inside of me where I feel like I'm like, 13 years old. I'm like, who are you to tell me what to do? Like, how do you know? I have a difficult time when people talk down to me. It rises up. I'll give you an illustration. A couple of weeks ago, I was driving my car on my son, the skinny kid who, who uh, put his pants in the wrong spot or whatever. Um, he was, uh, he's got this truck. He's Eastern Shore redneck. He's got this jacked up truck, big tires. And, and uh, so I needed to use this truck one day. And so uh, I asked him, I don't know why I asked him because it's, it's essentially my truck. I paid the insurance or whatever. Can I use it? He's like, why? What do you need it for? I'm like, just shut up and give me the keys. Like (laughs) you have that kind of kid in your house, whatever. I'm like, everything you see here is mine. Everything you're wearing is mine. Everything. I'm like the DNA in your body. That's mine too. It's all mine. Like, so I, t- so I take the truck, and he takes my car for the day, and, and he's not out of our house three minutes on the way to school, and uh, something falls off a, a garbage truck and, and smashes the windshield, and he calls me. He's like, Dad, you won't believe. Like, and, uh, and again, I don't care about cars. I don't care. I'm like, get the number off the thing, and we'll call them, tell them, the f- and that's exactly what happened. Um, but like three or four days later, I'm driving down the highway, and uh, all of a sudden, I see the police lights of the Maryland State Police, and, and the dude just want to check on me, see how I'm doing that day. And, and so um, <laughs> it's just like, so I pull over, and we live in a small town. We live in a small town like this, and we have a relatively large church. I've been there for 20 years, and, and, uh, and I'll say this, and you'll connect the dots, but, but often when I get pulled over, which means what? I get pulled over often, yes. Um, often when I get pulled over, I know the police officer. Like I just, he knows me, he's familiar with me, he grew up in our community, played little league with my boy or whatever. And, and so uh, often when I get pulled over, I'm like, oh yeah, I know that kid. Or they recognize me. And so I pull over and some of you are older, you'll appreciate this, you'll get this. Um, but this, this guy comes out in Maryland and Maryland State Police, I've had good experiences in, in all of, but this kid gets out of the car, and, and I swear, he's like 12 and a half years old, <laughs> right? I'm like, can you even carry a gun? Are you allowed, can 12-year-olds carry guns now? Like, and uh, he comes up to the window, and polite, he says, I'm officer so-and-so, and, and, uh, and he doesn't tell me what I did or, or anything like that. He, 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 he says this, he, well, he asked this, he said, uh, he said, do you have any illegal substances in your vehicle? And I just kind of chuckled. I'm like, because I thought he knew me. I thought he was like giving me a hard time or whatever. And I'm like, what? And I said, no. And he's like, are you sure? 
I said, am I sure about what? He said, are you sure that you don't have any illegal substances in your vehicle? I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, pretty sure. And um, he's like, well, when I pulled you over, uh, you were kind of reaching and hiding or, or, or something. And I'm like, I, again, I don't know cars. So I was, in the, I was on Route 50 and I wanted to get off the highway. So I, I was going to put my hazards on. So I knew that I was there. I knew that I saw him, but, I, but it was going to take me 30 seconds to find a place where I could get off the highway, get off 50. And, and my phone's sitting on my lap right here. The last thing I need is like a ticket for texting while driving. So I took my phone and I slid it in the thing and I was looking for the hazards and putting it in the park. And he said, so you were reaching in there? I said, sir, I don't have anything in the car. He's like, what happened to your windshield? I'm like, oh, my son, whatever. He goes, uh, he goes okay, so let me ask you this. Do you have any illegal substance in your vehicle? <laughs> I'm like, no. He's like, why are you getting, because it's starting to rise up in me now. And I'm going, so I asked him, I go, why do you keep asking me that? He goes, why are you so defensive? I go, because I've been pulled over before and nobody's ever asked me that before. He goes, it's a standard question. And I want to go, dude, I've been pulled over a bazillion times. I didn't say that, (laughs) but I want to say I've been pulled over a bazillion times and nobody's ever asked me that before. And, 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 and I said this, I was literally pulled over right across the street from our church. And I said to him, I said, I just kind of chuckled. I said, I said, sir, listen, I'm the pastor over the church over there. I promise you, I have nothing illegal in my car. And he said this to me, he goes, I didn't ask you what your career was. I asked you if you had a legal substance in your vehicle. <laughs> and now I'm just, I just want to go, ah. So now I'm thinking, like, what did you pull me over for? And uh, I didn't say that, but he said, I pulled you over because your, your windshield. He said, and how did your windshield get? I said, I'm like, I already told you, dude. My, he's like, there's glass in the vehicle. I'm like, because it happened like four days ago. Yes, there's still glass in the vehicle. So he gave me a work order. I got it fixed and whatever. But, but it was rising up in me. And I want to, I go, he's the authority. He's the, you know, he's the police officer. He's got the badge. He's got the gun. I want to respect his position. But it was rising up in me. This is what I've discovered. I love it when my opinion is valued. What gets threatened makes me angry. I love being in charge. I love being respected. I love the feeling that I am right. And the second that someone challenges that, I go, who are you to tell me I'm not right? There's a, there's a character flaw in me. There, there, there's a place that God still needs to work I want people to think and tell me how wise I am. When I have an idea, I want people to go, oh, pastor, you are wise beyond your years. (laughs) Not go, you know what you really should do? I go, no, I just told you what we really should do. Right? Bottom line is I love my ego. I love that people go, he's smart. He's in charge. He leads this thing. He runs this thing. I've been asking the Lord to help me sort through this. Maybe that's where you're at today. How about the flip side? How about you go, I'm not angry at anything. I don't get angry. I'm not mad at anyone. I don't get upset. I don't get fired up. I'm, I'm pretty much indifferent to anything. And the only thing that I really love is keeping the peace. And I take pride in the fact that I'm self-controlled, that nothing can get under my skin. And I would challenge you this. I, I would challenge you first in this. I would say, remember that sin, uh, remember that anger is not a sin. It's not. Sometimes anger moves us into action. Ephesians tells us this. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do you know throughout scriptures we see God get angry? 
Do you see how scriptures, we see Jesus get angry. When they get angry, it's because what he loves, uh, because what he loves is good, what is right, his creation. Think about this for a second. Think about if, if Pastor Josh walked in here right now, fuming, walked to the back there, took that table and just flipped it over. How many of us would go, you know, Pastor Josh, he's acting just like Jesus. <laughs> no, we would go, that dude has lost his mind. What is he doing? But we look in Scripture, what the Bible says, that's exactly what Jesus did. He walked into the temple and he flipped over the tables and he was angry. The Bible says, but what? But he never sinned. See, there's a place, there, there's one side of anger that, that leads to sin, that, that, that potentially becomes sin, that it speaks of our character. But there's another side of anger that sometimes anger brings us to action. And listen, if you don't get angry about anything, then you don't love anything. And there's something deficient in your heart. Have you ever watched the news and you see something that you know, you go, that should make me sad, but it doesn't. And you go, what's happened to me that my heart is so callous? Now, now listen, it's impossible for us to be passionate about everything, but there's some things that should fire us up. There's some things that should cause us to rise to action. There's some things that should lead to a holy discontent. That, that, that there's something in us that we go, we should love what God loves and hate what God hates. And we should be moved when we see the rights of others being trampled on, when, when we see the image of God being taken care of, and especially when we see the name of our Lord uh, and his truth be spit upon, we should rise up. Remember, it wasn't that long ago we saw George Floyd. Remember the Memphis police beatings. When we saw that, we were angry. Why? We were angry because injustice was happening right in front of our eyes. We were angry that we were watching young black men dying. We were angry that young, good police officers were getting bunched in with, with those who weren't. We were angry that our cities were burning for no reason. Angry that there were talking heads on TV who, who were so disingenuous, who, who were not being part of the solution, but part of the problem. We were angry that this stuff was still happening in our nation. We were angry that we were having conversations with our kids and our grandkids about, 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 uh, corrupt police and about uh, racism. We were angry. Why were we angry? Because we care. Because we love people and we love this nation. We love what's right and we hate what is wrong. And the proper response was to go, no! This has to stop. So there's times where anger is a good thing. So we'll ask the question again, what are you angry at? See, first you need to be aware of what you are anger, uh, aware of the anger inside of you. And then the second thing we need to do is we need to recognize what we do with it. I'm running out of time. I got to go quite quick, but I want to give you three points. How does anger go wrong? The first way is this. Anger goes wrong when it controls us rather than we controlling it. Have you ever had a situation where your response was just too much? You go, I am justified to be mad, but my response was too much. Like, I just went off the deep end on my wife, 
on my husband, on my kids, on my neighbor, on my dog, on my whatever. I just, yes, what they did was wrong, but my response was equally, if not more wrong. Here's the thing that, 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 that I want to share with you, and I want you to catch catch this. And, I, and I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I, I mentioned I'm, I'm almost 50 years old. There are times in my life that I get to the end of a situation, drama, an argument, a disagreement. I get to the end of it. I'm naked before God. And the only conclusion that I could come to that I acted like a big baby. Have you ever been there? I mean, you see two-year-olds, you go, oh, they had, they had a temper tantrum. But there are times in my life that I've thrown a fit. Because I was selfish. Because I wanted things my way. Be, because, because it was just uncomfortable. And I didn't, I didn't throw myself on the ground. No, I'm college educated. I got two master's degrees. I articulated an argument. And it was a good stinking argument. But at the end, I go, oh, that was fluff. All that was just made. The bottom line was this. I was being a big, selfish, baby punk. And I have to admit that before the Lord, and I have to admit that to the people that I've hurt, that I, that I ran my mouth to. I just go, it was just too much. And see, and as people, we need to do better than that. But especially as followers of God, people who say we represent Christ, people we talk about things like serving and sacrifice and putting others before ourselves, and we go, man, we are so far sometimes from what God calls us to be. Just selfish. That can't be. Number two. There are times that anger goes wrong when the things we're defending are self-serving. It's not pure. It's not holy. It's not right. It's not admirable. It's not excellent. It's not praiseworthy. There's no awe of God. There's no fear of God. This is just, I got angry because it's me. Number three, anger goes wrong when it flows out of a heart of unforgiveness and bitterness. And the Bible says this, the Bible says, do not give the devil an opportunity of foothold. Anger left unaddressed will lead to sin. Anger left unaddressed, don't let it fester, deal with it. God says to Cain this, why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? Well, if you do what's right, will it not be accepted? But if you don't do what's right, catch this, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You can't just say, God, take away this anger. It says, no, you must rule over it. You must fight, you must grow up, you must mature, you must come up with tools and skills or count to 10 or take a walk. You must deal with this. And he says, listen, this is God warning him. He says, sin is crouching at your door, ready to pounce. My family has a dog. It's not my dog. I know you already lost respect for me and all of this, but, but I, I don't like pets. I don't like dogs. I don't like, but my wife, she's beautiful. She wanted a dog, so we have a dog. It's not my dog. I don't feed the dog. I don't walk the dog. If the dog goes to the bathroom in our house, I just walk by and go, hey, look what happened. Like, I don't, like, it's not my dog. 
And so our dog loves, loves, loves my wife and wants to sit on the couch, wants to lick her feet. I'm like, what is that? Like, if I asked to lick my wife's feet, she'd be like, get out of here. (laughs) But the dog can do it, right? I'm like, how is that fair? And the dog wants to sleep, like, near her. Now, we will not let the dog in our bed, and I know some of you do that, and I think it's weird, and I'm not sure you're going to make it to heaven. Like, I think... I don't see it in the Bible. I just think that's like, and like you and your husband, the dog in between, and I just, there's not a, there's not a bed big enough for me to allow that in our house. But our dog wants to sleep in our bedroom, and I, and we tried it, and I just, the the dog like grunts, and it like licks itself, and it keeps me up. I'm like, that dog's got to go. It's got to get, so the dog's not allowed in our room anymore. So we put the dog out of the room, and we close the door, and then the, door, the dog will just scratch on the door, scratch on the door. I'm like, I will shoot that dog and not feel bad about it, not even a little bit. So we got, like, we're grown, my kids are grown-ups, but we had to go out and buy one of those, those, like, baby prison gates or whatever, and so we put it in, every night, we put it in front of the door, so I'll wake up to go use the bathroom and trip over the stupid thing, and, and so now we got the baby gate. I, I thought I got rid of the car seat and the baby gene, but I got the baby gate in front, and, and, uh, and the dog will just sit there, and so I'll get up in the middle of the night. I forgot my phone or I want to get a glass of water or check to see if I close the door, and the second that I crack that door open, the dog's like, showtime, he's in. This is the imagery that's used here in Genesis where it says, listen, sin, it's right there. It is right there. And when that anger starts to rise up and you cry, what does it say? Don't even give a foothold. Don't even give an opportunity. Because the second that you crack that, the enemy, the devil goes, here I am. I'm right here. How do you get to a place where, where you get out of your car and go punch a stranger's window because anger over time, over time, left unaddressed. The enemy goes, I'm right here, I'm right here, I'm right here, I'm right What do you do at the end? Of, so you bust the window, then what do you do? You go to jail, you pay a fine. For what? Because you go, that joker cut me off. You go, really? Now you're Instagram famous? You go to get a job and people go, aren't you the guy? You go, yeah, that's me. Over what? You say, we laugh at that. We think it's so. No, no, no. Go back to the story here. What happens to Cain? It says, Cain says to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they're in the field, Cain attacks his brother, his brother, and kills him. Over what? A Sunday morning offering. Killed his brother. How does that happen? Anger left unaddressed. How do you kill the root of anger? The answer is always, always, always grace. Grace and bitterness cannot go together. They can't coexist. So go back with me. I know I'm over time here, and I'll get you out in a moment. But go back with me to Jesus on the cross. He says some powerful last words. The first thing that Jesus says is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Man, there's times where you have to give grace, and you just need to go, you know what? They don't get it. They don't get it. That guy who cut you off, it wasn't a personal offense to you. Maybe he's late for work. 
Maybe he was afraid that he was going to get home. His wife was going to yell at him. Maybe he had to pick up his kids at the bus stop. Maybe he had things going on. He had to get this thing mailed. It had nothing to do with you. So why did you take up an offense and become angry at that? He didn't do it to take away your rights. He didn't do it to... I didn't even notice. You know, sometimes we'll get angry at stuff and we'll carry stuff. The person doesn't even notice. True story, a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, walking into the church and there's a guy in the church, his name's Howard, and Howard comes up to me and he says, Pastor, I need to talk to you about something. I said, okay. He said, a couple of weeks ago, I was mowing the grass and uh, he said, uh, you were walking into church and he said, I don't know why. He said, I should have just put the mower and park for a second, but I was doing my lines and he said, I just came up and he said, and when I, when I got too close, he said, I shot grass all over the sidewalk when you were there. And he said, it went all over you. He said, that was so insensitive of me. I'm so sorry. And I went, Howard, I don't even remember that. He's like, seriously? I said, was I on the phone? He said, yeah, you're on the phone. I said, yeah, I probably walking in the church. I, I, I don't even remember. I didn't even know that Howard mowed our grass. He goes, for days, I've been tore up about this. I felt so bad. I go, Howard, zero offense. I mean, I'm so oblivious, I didn't even know what happened. Like, I didn't wake up later in the day and go, man, where did all this grass come from? Like, zero, oblivious, just clueless. And sometimes people do stuff. Could, could you imagine if the story was different? that he wasn't even paying attention. I'm like, I can't believe that guy. This grass and the, I'm the pastor of this church. Who is he mowing? Nothing. So sometimes you got to give grace. But what about the other scenarios? What about the times where you go, oh, no, they know. They know what they did was wrong. There's just no, there's no getting around it. That was wrong. That was evil. That was sin. And we have those in all of our lives. What do you do then? Well, Jesus tells us. The first, he says, Father, forgive them. They know, no, they know not what they're doing. And second, he said what? He said, it's finished. It's paid. In other words, he says, I finished the payment. When it comes to others, we have to come a place where we deal with people the way that God dealt with us. Listen, we sinned and offended God and God paid the price for us, and he did not demand payment from us. Bitterness says this, they owe me. They owe me an explanation. They owe me an apology. They owe me to fix this. They owe me. I need to at least hear the words. I need to see it at their face, and I need to hear the words, I was wrong, I am sorry. They owe me that. But listen, if you look to make others pay, it will never get finished. It will never be enough. Some things were done to you that were so hurtful, so offensive, so painful that you think words, it won't fix it. There are some of you that you want to hear those. Those people aren't even around. There's some people who have hurt you. They're not even alive anymore. They're never going to be able to say the words. So what do you do with that? Get angry? How's that working for you? No, you do what Jesus did for us. 
You forgive as God has forgiven you. That's what you do. You go, Brian, you make that sound so easy. It is not easy. And it won't be a one-time thing. I promise you. It won't be a one-time thing. You'll forgive and there'll come a place where you go, I think I'm over that. I think I'm better. And then what will happen? Somebody will say something, you'll watch something, something trigger, and all of a sudden it'll be like a forest fire come up. And you go, oh man, I thought I was better. And you go, but I could kill that guy. And then what do you do? You go back again. Say, God, I'm going to forgive how you have forgiven me. Even though it's not easy. You go, what else do I have? Because you look at God's grace in your life and you go, I did not deserve that. And, and, and here, we don't justify what they did. We're not saying it was okay. But we go, God, you deal with that. Because I'm carrying something that I can't carry. So I'm going to forgive you. You go, but they don't deserve forgiveness. Nobody's saying they do. Just like I don't deserve forgiveness. It's like you don't deserve forgiveness. But we take it freely. So somehow we got to give it freely. And that takes maturity. That takes time. That takes prayer. That takes humility. That takes the grace and the victory and the freedom that comes from Jesus. But it's possible. And it is required. And it is freeing. It is freeing. Jesus said, it is finished, it is paid. If you see Jesus say that to you, if you see Jesus dying for you like that, if you have the awe of God's grace in your life, then you too can forgive like Jesus forgive. And then and only then will be finished. Then the ungodly anger will disappear and then you'll have room in your heart for God to fill it with joy and love for people that you've never experienced. But not until you let go of that thing. And there are some of you here this morning that God in his strategic love for you has placed Josh someplace else and placed me here so you can hear these words. And you are angry and your anger is selfish. You need to ask the Lord, what do I love so much that when it's threatened, I lose my stuff? And I'm pretty sure there'll come a time in the next week or two where it'll start to rise up and the Holy Spirit's going to remind you and you're going to go, God, what is that about? And he's going to do some work. There's some of you on the other side, though, where you go, there's things that should make you angry. And you become so callous, so cold, so lazy in your faith that they don't. And God needs to wake you up in that area. He needs to wake you up. I mean, over time, we've got to do this again. Uh, listen. The fact that your pastor does this three times every Sunday, you should give him two sabbaticals a year. I'm telling you. You're going to go home. You're going to take off your shoes. Your dog's going to lick your feet. You're going to repent because that's evil. You know that's evil. You know that's wrong. And this church, this worship team is going to do this again. 
I hope there's a part of you that just goes, I appreciate them. I appreciate the sound team who is here at 7 in the morning. I appreciate these guys. I appreciate the people who put up the tent. I appreciate the poor pastor who drive all the way home and get the absent-minded pastor pants. I appreciate, I appreciate all that. Appreciate that. It's a good church and you have good people. You have good leaders. I want to pray for you. God, help us. Help us. Now, there's times that we permit anger in our lives that we know it's just not pleasing to you. It's not, it needs to stop. Forgive us and help us. God, and there's areas that, and we'll get angry over stupid things, but we won't get angry over the things of you. We won't get angry over the things that fire you up. We're more concerned that our neighbor's dog pooped in our grass than we're concerned about our neighbors not knowing Jesus. God, forgive us. Forgive us. Help us love what you love and hate what you hate. In Christ's name we pray. Come on, Pastor Tim. Amen. Guys, I don't know how that message hit you this morning, but I know if there's something that you need to go to God about, our prayer partners are going to be up here. We would love to pray with you this morning, maybe about something in this message today, maybe something you carried in with you, but I know there are people here that would love to listen to you, and there's a God who has the answer for you. So would you come and pray with us this morning? For those of you that, um, that don't need prayer, we, we thank you for joining us today. And I, I hope you enjoy your holiday weekend. And uh, we'll see you back here again next Sunday. Uh, go and be blessed.